Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Vicious and Delicious, Joey Licious. What you see, baby, is what you get. What you don't see is better yet. You're listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rock. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. Lots going on in the world right now. Hopefully, you're finding your escape and finding your peace, whether it's in music, sports, reading, whatever it is. Hopefully, you're doing that to kind of escape all the troubles away. And we are here for you like we are always talking music interviewing artists, spotlighting new bands. And here we are today from Mississippi. We'd like to welcome in Dylan and Cedric from the band Magnolia Bayou. How you doing today, guys? Doing all right. Thanks for having us. What uh so you guys just got done with rehearsal, right? You guys, you know, before we started the call, what what um is this for like new music or is this just uh playing live? Are you guys allowed to to play out there in, in Mississippi? Well, right now, this week, we have October 1st. We have a virtual live stream for our album release. Um, we aren't able to do, you know, what we want to do with our album as far as releasing it and having, you know, 500 people singing it back to us and stuff like that. That'd be awesome. But unfortunately, we're not able to do that right now. Um, so we're doing a live stream from Cedar Street Social Club on October 1st. Uh, tickets are available now from the Tree of Forgiveness on Eventbrite. Uh, and then we are also heading to Huntsville, Alabama this Saturday for a socially distanced uh, festival up there uh, with our buddies, uh, Them Dirty Roses, Job Mother Mary, Ben Lewis from Bishop Gunn, Taylor Honeycutt, and several other great acts. Yeah, that sounds like a great, uh, great bill there. Well, we always begin... Every episode, every time we have a new guest, the same way, and that's with the same question, and that's the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a moment that sucks you in and pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, Well, actually, it came, my love for music came actually from my cousin's um, my cousin Devin, who is originally from Hattiesburg, 
we were hanging out one day and he brought me into his room and had a full stack Marshall and an SG sitting there. And I remember it was like the gates of heaven opened up and, you know, he played a power chord and I was like, that's, that's it for me, man. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how like Hendrix sounded, you know, back in the day and, um, you know, ACDC and stuff like that, you know, ACDC for sure is a, uh, a big contributor of me being in music. What about you, Cedric? Um, my love for music came at an early age. Uh, uh, growing up in church and um, being around those musicians, and my dad always playing a lot of you know old school soul music like Al Green and Isley Brothers and Commodores and bands like that. And I grew up and went to high school and junior high. And got introduced to a lot of you know old school rock bands. I think one of the first rock groups that I listened to was Zeppelin then I got into Hendrix and um, The Who and bands like that and you know started my journey and started listening to Korn and other bands like that and it's just there's just a plethora of things that inspired me to want to play music for a living Where did it go from there guys? I mean obviously you have your introduction into music and it strikes a chord no pun intended and then you journey on you continue moving forward and there's the evolution of you as the artist it becomes with the seed that's planted which is what hooks you in and then it becomes hey i want to pick up an instrument i want to be in a band i want to play on stage what was your evolution as an artist Hmm. interesting question evolution i actually played at a lock-in at a church lock-in when I was 14 uh, I, I, I had actually written my own song and um, we don't we don't want to hear that now but uh, <laughs> I, I had written my own song around 14 and you know did the backing tracks with my guitar teacher and and did that and pretty much from there it was a hard rock song and developed into a love for blues and that all kind of fell into one and uh the the angst of rock and roll and the the soulfulness of blues and all this and that you know just kind of made me cr- create my own language in in that of music anyway you know what was the moment where you know there was you know th- this is what you wanted to do with your life i mean this is what you know, you were put on earth to do is to play music for people and make music. I mean, that's a big moment. I mean, you know, some people become doctors, lawyers, plumbers, construction workers, and, you know, you guys became musicians. You guys started in a band, and that's an interesting path in life because it's it's such a, uh, I don't want to say, you know, a job because musicians never consider their work a job, but it's it's interesting when you take that path because you are constantly evolving as an artist. You know, when someone becomes a lawyer, they, they become basically, you know, they, they, they do one form of legal work. They're, you know, a, you know, a real estate attorney or a tax attorney. And, you know, the only evolution they have are by new policies and laws. When you are a musician, you're constantly feeding yourself with new music. You're constantly stretching yourself. And it's an interesting profession because it's always what's next and what's coming down the road and what you have to create. What is that for you guys in terms of how you 
want to keep evolving as artists. Being a newer band, you obviously are exposing yourselves to the to an audience now and gaining more audience and building an audience. But talk about you know where you came from to now as you're as we talk about the evolution of the artist of where you've been and how, and where you're going. Well, I know that we all grew up in in bands like marching band and jazz band and, and things of that nature, uh, different ventures. Um, I know Josh and I met in jazz band, uh, and kind of, you know, like you said, you know, started this, this journey of becoming a musician and becoming a professional musician. We started out jamming and doing some of the jazz charts and things like that. And, you know, the, the vibe and the passion was there. And we just kept going and kept practicing. There, there are things that we would shed all the time, man. We will do something wrong, and then we'll do it five to ten times to, to knock it out and then just have it just flawless. And you just you have to have the passion there. Like, like you said, with lawyers and, and, you know, business executives and things like that, you know, you have to have a passion and a drive for your job. So I think that's where – that's where we have all of our eggs in one basket. So we always practice on our own. Uh, we're always listening. We keep our ears wide open for, for things that our peers do um, that we could implement and do in our set and, you know, make it better. Cause I mean, we're all learning from each other at the end of the day. I mean, we're all playing the same chords Jimi Hendrix played and the same chops that, you know, cream had and, and things of that nature. So, Rock and roll is just an endless evolution of new talent and, and you know, reviving old stuff. So, hope I answered that all right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the influence, the blues influence you guys have is so prevalent. I mean, you listening to the music that I have of Magnolia Bayou, it, it just hits you. And I'm outside of Chicago, you know, like, so I grew up listening to a lot of blues too, you know, Otis Rush, Magic Sam, yeah. you know, Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters, absolutely. Yeah. What was the moment? I mean, you mentioned ACDC, you mentioned Led Zeppelin. Obviously, there's a huge blues influence in Led Zeppelin. They were influenced by all the greats too as well. Sonny Boy Williamson, Howlin' Wolf, all those guys. Where did it go from listening to rock music into this blues-based rock band? Well, I know for me, I went to a Buddy Guy concert when I was 15, 14 or 15 with my dad, and I was front row uh, leaning on the rail and stuff like that. Y'all remember that, leaning on the rail? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, he, he actually threw me a pick, and I remember it was all like, shards and bits like he had been chewing on it but it was just from him shredding so much and that that kind of had a deep deep rooted uh, love for blues at that moment and kind of wanted to go back and study all that stuff like you said the Sonny Boy Williamson, the Muddy Waters, um, Howlin' Wolf stuff like that that just has such an energy and such a, a passion for, for that stuff and just such an old school feel, you know, and uh, that's where it kind of came about for me. And we started playing blues covers a lot up the Mississippi Delta and into Alabama and things like that. So um, we actually started out a, a traditional blues band with a lot of 
covers from B.B. King and, you know, guys like that. And later on, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. So, What about you, Cedric? Well, for me, honestly, I, I never grew up listening to a lot of blues. I've always casually listened, casually listened to guys such as, like, B.B. King and, like I said, Muddy Waters and um, – I'm, I'm real bad. Uh, Crossroads, God. Yes, Robert Johnson. I had an old buddy that liked to play a lot of Robert Johnson tunes, and now I was just casually, casually introduced to it and just kind of jammed it. Uh, but my background mostly has been like R&B and uh, gospel stuff and things of that nature. And it wasn't until I joined Magnolia Bay that I was introduced to, you know, like Sunhouse and things like that, and jamming you know um eric clapton and, and things of that nature and really kind of digging deep in, into that uh genre of music so um and it's been fun man um a lot of foundation for what we do in a lot of rock music and music out there now is uh based on the blues and owes a lot of credit to those guys from yesteryear and um it's just really been a blast and a huge influence in my playing now you can definitely hear it, and that's what I love about you guys is, you know, I'm, I'm such a blues fan, and I'm also a rock fan, and I love when both are fused together, and it sounds great, and, and I have to compliment you guys, you know, ever since I was turned on to Magnolia Bayou, I've just, it's been it's been awesome because not only, you know, there's different types of blues too, right? You know, there's their Chicago blues and your, there's their deep Delta blues, and you could definitely hear mm-hmm. that Delta blues in in your music and you can also even hear the r&b stuff too as well and obviously there's elements of gospel and of course there's rock too it is and it just fuses all together and it makes a really beautiful sound oh yeah we, we just try to you know blend into that you know crock pot of our sound, i guess you like, could say i like to call it uh like mississippi rock and roll gumbo you know what i mean there you go there you go and now and as far as buddy guy of course you know buddy guy being from chicago there's no one that yeah. bends a string like buddy guy i mean that guy can just play he's a monster man I, i've seen him i've seen him three times now and uh every time he's just he's such an inspiration and, and just a, a shining light in the blues you know just that passion and his, his smile, you know, comes out. My son plays guitar. He's 15, and, uh, you know, and he has all these rock heroes that he likes. I, and I go, you got to check out Buddy yeah. You got to check out Buddy Guy. And he's like, who? I said, Buddy Guy is where everybody comes from, pretty much. I mean, we talk about Jimmy yeah, Page, oh yeah. Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck. I mean, he was the guy for those for those guitar players. And Yeah, I mean, Hendrix, Hendrix actually copied – a lot from from him and uh does does a lot of things that buddy guy started out doing jimmy just kind of put his own his own magic and his own touch to it you know but like you said man all those guys jimmy page uh jeff beck uh clapton um all took a page out of uh out of buddy guy's book man for sure there's an old video of the Rolling Stones playing at this blues club after a show in Chicago. It's like 1980-81. And Muddy Waters is the act that night, and he's playing. And during the middle of his yep. set, the Stones come in. And the yeah, Rons- that's the Lounge. Yes, yes. And there's a moment yep. when yep. later on in the show, Buddy Guy 
comes in, right? Uh-huh. And oh yeah, Ron Wood. I mean, I, this is the respect that Buddy Guy has. Now, Ron Wood is is a, an accomplished guitar player, and is in, in you know within himself. And Buddy Guy gets on stage and he taps him on the shoulder and he hands Buddy his guitar. Like, yeah, yep. you you can play. I'm getting off stage right now. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that's such an awesome local. moment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So what's the history of Magnolia Bayou? Well, Josh and I met in jazz band our senior year, and our drummer at the time, Wesley, we would all get together and go over to Wesley's house and just chop out on some of the jazz charts. Uh, We didn't do a whole lot of homework, so to speak. We just jammed and played a lot of blues covers, played some B.B. King and Buddy Guy and stuff like that, because that was where my blues and jazz met, and we just merged all that stuff together you know we played some gary clark jr things like that and just wanted to start a band and i was hanging out with drew at the time we just you know hanging out over pedals and you know playing guitar together and stuff like that and he was in another band at the time singing background vocals and playing rhythm guitar and my dad told me one day he said man that guy's from the delta isn't he and I said, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, you better get him if you're going to play the blues, you know. So so it kind of uh, came from that. And we started playing a lot of traditional blues and ended up liking a whole lot more uh, playing styles and just kind of, like I said, you know, made a, made a gumbo of rock and roll, a little bit of grunge, a little bit of blues. And that's just kind of what Magnolia Bayou is now. It's just a blend of everything we dig funk blues rock and roll and uh, all that stuff man there's there's something we can take away from every decade and we use it all the new album is strange place just came out this past week what was the creative process for this album well this time around we were not to say more prepared but we were uh, the first go round, we had we had eight songs, and we said, "Okay, this is what we're going to go in to record," and that was just it. That was all we had, and that was all we wanted to record. So this time around, we had excess, um, and we actually went up to Drew's aunt's house in Utica, and just stayed on this beautiful plot of land and hung out for you know five days and just duped it out played everything um got all the arrangements perfect and we pretty much just recorded demos that week to sit on and in may of 2019 we went to natchez to play the bishop gun crawfish boil and we just stayed for two weeks after that to record the record we already had pre-production done so to speak with going to Drew's aunt and we just went in with Burn of Bishop Gunn uh, at Natchez Sound Studios and camped out for two weeks, got everything done. We had the luxury of going in to record at any point in time uh, and then we would go drink it smooth afterwards. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was really relaxed, but we got so much done and the vibe of, of Magnolia Bayou definitely came out in that record. Definitely. What... You know, when you talk about your influences, as we've mentioned here, you know, previous here just a few moments ago, 
How do you guys fuse all that together? I mean, is this a, you know, collaborative? Are there, you know, is there someone that just writes all the lyrics? Do you guys, you know, collaborate on lyrics, music? How does that work for you guys? I know most, most for the most part, when it comes to songwriting, uh, Drew is the primary lyricist, you know, unless, you know, somebody has an idea or a concept for a song, but Drew is generally the guy with the words. And, uh, but as far as general songwriting goes, I mean, uh, we jam so much. I mean, just ideas just come and go from us. You know, we have a bulk of just riffs and beats and everything that, you know, we're sitting on. And it's just a matter of, you know, we get together, you know, what's inspiring us, what we feel in that day, you know, what, what do we want to say in that song, you know? So, um, but for the most part, it's just collaborative. We just get together and jam and, you know, Drew tries to find the inspiration, the words to put to whatever it is that we're laying down that day. And, you know, we just go from there and just, uh, we never go for any certain concepts or, you know, we want to sound like this or this, you know, it's just, a very emotional process and, and uh, whatever comes out just comes out. You know, I, I guess that's what makes us unique. As a lot of people say is, you know, we're just trying to be us and, and, and uh, unique and just genuine, you know? So it sounds like it's an organic process where you're just jamming, you know, I mean, imagine there's probably some stuff that came out of rehearsals this morning for you guys. And are you guys always yeah. recording? So you capture that stuff? I mean, we, 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 we do a lot of demoing, like, on our phones, you know, since iPhones, you know, they're good recording devices for getting down little scratch ideas, and we have, like, a plethora of, of just so many things that we just can dig back into, you know, whenever the next album cycle comes around, you know, we just always show up, you know, we rehearse, sometimes we'll just sit down as soon as we get here, Dylan might play a, a, a riff. Drew might come in with a riff or Josh might have a bass line or I'll just be tinkering with a beat on the drums and, you know, depending on how we feel, we can jam it for the next 20 minutes or to an hour and then turns into a song or, you know, we'll just kind of archive the idea and then come back to it, you know, when it feels right. We probably should record every single note we play, but uh, a lot of times we'll be deep in a jam before we have to, like, pull out the phone out of our pockets and press record. It's like, Hey man, get this, get this. This is awesome. You know, <laughs> there's been times where we like do a whole song and we're like, that's killer. Do you remember what you did here? <laughs> it's like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That has to be frustrating when that happens. You guys just have to have like that, you know, sensor whenever you walk into your, you know, wherever you rehearse or play, it automatically starts recording, you know? It's kind of like those automatic lights now that, you know, turn on whenever you walk underneath them. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. How has the creative... I said, we need to rig something like that up, man. Just as soon as we walk through the door, it just presses record. <laughs> there you go. How has your <laughs> your creative process been during the pandemic? I mean, I, I talk to a lot of musicians on this show some have stated that it's been difficult to find, you know, their inspiration when they're doing the same thing every day. They're looking out the same window every day. And, you know, in order for some people to be inspired, they have to be living life and they have to be doing different things. How is it for you guys? How's that been? I mean, this has been such a strange moment in our times that, 
you know, no one was really prepared for. Has the creative process, the creative juices still flow with this pandemic? I mean, for us, you know, um, man, it never stops. I mean, that's all we've been doing is writing. I mean, whether it be a whole song, like I said, or just ideas. I mean, we're always coming to practice and, and jamming out something since we can't play shows and, you know, we all still work day jobs and at the moment right now. But um, we find inspiration when we get together and uh, we, we, it's that moment of escape for us and we just write all the time, you know. Um, it's just not that we all don't need to certainly go out there and live extravagant lives and have inspiration, you know. Like I said, it's just we get here. And, you know, whatever we're feeling, you know, it just, it just comes out. So, I mean, it's just writing. It's just one of those things that we just do. You know, it's just part of us, you know. Rehearsal's been a great outlet for us, too. Um, like you said, you know, sometimes we'll bring riffs to rehearsal and stuff. And, um, you know, a, a lot can come from frustration and, and anger and disappointment, sadness, things like that. So you can... You can pump that energy into your show and into your songwriting and things like that. I know Drew has written a lot in, in the pandemic, and uh, we've just been trying to stay on top and capitalize on the time we have because we've got so many songs that were just sitting for a long time, and we didn't really have time to refine any of it. And now that we've got all this extra time as, as, uh, as a band, we've just channeled you know, in that regard. So we've got a lot in the works. Um, we haven't stopped and we aren't going to stop. Has the tone of the music changed? I mean, you mentioned being inspired. You can be inspired by something happy, sad. If you're angry, if you're determined, you, you, you know, basically what you're feeling can determine, you know, what comes out on the guitar, what comes out on the drums, what lyrics come out from the mind that's thinking all these things, you know, during this time, has the music changed in terms of the tone or is it still what you guys see as a band? Yeah, it's just, just whatever comes out, you know, um, I don't necessarily think, uh, well, I don't want to speak to Drew. I mean, he, he, he's written some things about, you know, the current situation in the world, um, but it's never been, you know, well, this is going on right now, so we have to send a message out about it. It's just, you know, if we feel like something needs to be said or we want to say something about it, then, you know, we put it out there. But, you know, there's never just like a, a concept to what we do. It's just, you know, when we get here and we write something, it's just, you know, we just try to find that path of what we want to go with it. And then, you know, we just go for it, you know. No, uh, no set formula for, I guess, what I... Um, what I can say about it. Yeah, what happens and what comes out of the instruments comes out. You know, it's just a, a day-to-day thing. You could you could wake up, you know, pissed off or whatever and then come to rehearsal and, you know, shred like you're pissed off. But, you know, and, and that outlet, it, it, it really gets it out of you. So if you're sad or happy, you can always play it out. You know, and then like like we said earlier, you know, just record it. <laughs> Music can be the, the perfect outlet, you know, for a fan, the perfect escape for a fan. You know, like when when something happens, I always turn to music, you know, whether I want to celebrate something or whether I want to, 
you know, get over something, I always turn to it because it allows me to sometimes find the words or the tone that I'm feeling, right? Sometimes you can't express yourself with what you're feeling. You need something to help guide you and help illustrate that for you. And I imagine it's also the same escape for a musician, for you guys, that all the stuff's going on. It's probably frustrating that you guys are limited to where you can play and how much you can play. And, you know, everything's been put on pause in 2020, more or less. So I imagine, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you need that escape and that outlet just as much as the fan who's listening does, too, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Um, it, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a rough time, and we do use uh, the time that we do rehearse to just try to get those emotions out. You know, like Dylan said, uh, I have a prostrating day or day might be great. You come in and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very emotional thing. I believe for musicians and the people that listen to it, like you said. What was behind the decision to release the album now? I mean, I, I know a lot of artists and bands have pushed back their release dates you know, originally when all this happened, it was end of 2020. Now a lot of bands and artists are, you know, pushing it back out to 2021. Although some have, I mean, if you want to look at like music that's been released, there has been a, a definite increase over the last one month to two months in terms of bands putting out material, whether it's an EP or a full length album. What was behind the decision process to release that now for Magnolia Bayou? Well, we actually recorded the record last May um, after the Bishop Gun Crawfish Bowl. And, and for for six months, or for really for the rest of the year, we kept going back to doing overdubs and vocal takes and solos and this and that. But we really went back and forth from Natchez for, from May on uh, and wrapped up in December. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit in March. We were thinking we were going to release it in the springtime and in the summer, but we said we might as well just go ahead and refine it and make it as perfect of a, of a quality album as, as possible. And we, we got to a point where we were like, man, people need this music and need this medicine. Like you were saying, everybody, or at least everybody I know and a lot of people in my social circle do turn to music so it's it's medicine for all of us and I, I felt and especially with the title strange place we didn't even foresee this happening when we named the album strange place it was just kind of a re- really weird weary um uh coincidence you know it's just eerie you know and and um so we decided september would be a great time we thought that we would hopefully be able to tour on it. Um, of course, you know, like you said, we are very limited in what we can do and what we're able to do. Um, so, you know, but, but at the end of the day, we have so many fans that just literally were itching for the music and had heard previews of us playing it live and were just longing for it. So that, that escape uh, for us too, you know, it's, really great thing so well it's got to be hard too when you're sitting on something that you're proud of and you're sitting on something that you want people to hear 
And, you know, along comes this pandemic that throws a wrench in everything and you got to put it on pause and put it on pause again. And like you said, you know, people do use it as medicine and people do use it as an escape. And, you know, you're, you're, you obviously want to tour on a record, right? I mean, that's the whole point of putting out new music is for you to tour behind it and get support and build an audience. And you're limited to what you can do right now. Certain states have less restrictions than others, you know, and who knows what the future will hold too with, you know, what's coming this fall and winter. We just don't know. But yeah, yeah, you know, when you record great music like you guys have, you know, it's got to be like, we got to put this out. This is, and it just, it's just, it's got to be frustrating to live in that moment when you're, you're trying to figure out the best time and place to put out the music. Oh yeah. Man, it's, it's frustrating that we can't, you know, like you said, do like promotional touring and stuff. But I think the biggest positive thing out of it is just, you know, how good the album is making everybody feel, you know, um, putting it out right now and, and with all these crazy times going on and just the fact that it's putting smiles on people's faces at least in this situation now is enough you know to where I think we as a band feel proud and we think that we did the right thing by at least giving people a piece of happiness and all the chaos going on right now yeah it's it's um you know there really probably isn't a right or wrong approach to it you know, I mean, I, I'm sure there's the approach, well, let's just sit on it, wait till we can at least do something with it. Or there's like, hey, you know, let's just get it out now so people can hear it and we can kind of prepare them. And like you said, you know, you know, out of something bad, something good always happens. So, oh, yeah. you know, we look at what's been happening. It's not good. But listen to what you're telling me. You guys continue to write new music, continue to create new music. Now you have this album that people are connecting with and resonating with and giving positive feedback. So that's all good. And that can help propel you for when the pause button is lifted and things get back to normal. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're waiting. <laughs> we've been literally refining everything and making everything as as perfect as Magnolia Bayou can make anything and we've just been focusing all of our energy into sculpting the set into bettering ourselves as musicians into uh, writing a third and fourth record you know and stuff like that so we've just got so much in the tank right now you know this has just made us more aware of, of ourselves um, as musicians and, and as people. So I think that energy has, has all been put into a good outlet like like the band, you know. So um, that the it, we're just building up and getting ready, man, because uh, 2020, um, you know, <laughs> was a failed attempt. And uh, 2021, we're, uh, well, we're going to be out yeah. there and, and – taken over you know not so much a failed attempt for music um but uh being able to tour around it like we were saying well it's know? it's the lost year as a lot of people you know talk yeah. about it and yeah let's, let's do part two you know and try again <laughs> yeah yeah let's let's let, let you know it's it's like the uh it's like when you're playing a video game and, and you get frustrated and you hit the reset button yeah. and you start over you know yep. 
I have to imagine also, you, you know, you, you talk about all the music that you have in the pipeline, which is essential for a band to succeed in this day and age. Because, you know, let's face it, we all know that, you know, making money off of streaming services is just not where bands, you know, make their revenue. And touring and merchandise and getting out in front of the people and building an audience, that's where you guys can become successful. And the best way to do that is constantly have a flow of music that you can keep putting out to people and keep supporting that. And if you've got all this material for two more albums, that works for you because when the when things do get back to normal and you guys start playing in clubs and theaters again, you, you can basically never come off the road or you know the the times that you do come off the road are are short and quick because you're just refining an album or laying down the tracks to 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 you know put it put out the record and then put it out boom and then you're back on the road again i mean that's an ideal situation for any band the the next two years of this band and and really go go as far after two years to say really the next five years is going to be crucial for this band. Um, I, I believe we have a stellar fan base uh, that will only keep growing. I believe this music is, is the cream of the crop of what we've got. Um, and we've also got more stuff that we haven't even gone to the studio and laid down. That's just mind-blowing to say that we've kind of escalated and used that energy from the second record to go into third and the fourth record and, you know, maybe an EP and things like that. But, you know, I, I believe that, that we're just getting started. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that you have all this material to keep it going, you know, I mean, it's basically just like putting wood in the fire, you know, and, and, you know, the more wood you put in, the, the stronger and, and hotter the fire is. And you guys have positioned yourselves into basically planning out the next couple of years for you guys and, and not missing a beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. When you think about the future and you think about the album that you guys just did, what is the plan? I mean, do you got, have you guys foreseen that, hey, once this happens, we need to be ready to go. We need to have all our ducks in a row and, and it's like flicking a switch. We're, we're ready. We're, we're, we're on it. What is that like? Is, is, there, is there a wait and see approach or is there just like, hey, we already know what we're going to do. We're ready. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Well, we just uh, signed a partnership with the TKO booking agency and uh, we're also partnering with the great publicists, and um, I think that's a very positive start for our band to have the kind of professional backing now that we've been uh, seeking for the last couple of years. And um, we're currently laying out plans. It's just all due to, like you said, um, the what the situation is going to be like uh, for public health and safety, and you know how much our entertainers can do in the next, you know year or two years you know we're hoping by the grace of god that next year you know things start clearing up and i know people are clamoring for a lot of music but yeah. i i think i can speak for everybody say um we're hoping just to get out on the road and actually start touring for real and uh actually get our music out to the masses there's a lot of people that have been wanting us to um, go in certain places that we haven't been able to reach yet and 
I think the goal for us is to really start playing markets that we haven't been and just start hitting that road hard and, and hopefully uh, down the line get another album out at some point and just keep it going, man. I mean, uh, but it's all just a waiting game like with everybody, you know. Um, but the future's up just like everybody else. It's just pretty much in the hands of fate right now, I guess you could say. But we're sitting and ready and planning, but, you know, we're just waiting, like you said, for that pause button <laughs> to be lifted. Yeah, we're, just, we're just getting primed and ready to go for as, as soon as everybody, you know, says it's go time, it is it is go time for this band. And I, I, like Cedric said, the partnership with the publicist and the booking, um, you know, Andrew and Tom have both been uh, fantastic and great to work with. So um, we're, we're just getting started. When you think about the landscape right now for rock music, there's so many great new bands that are out there. I mean, there's just the, I mean, whether it's here in America, whether it's in the UK, Europe, Canada, South America, it's all over. I mean, it's just incredible about the, with the amount of bands that are out there that are just coming up. I mean, you've got, you know, bands like, you know, Tyler Bryant and the Struts and Greta Van Fleet that are, you know, in the forefront of a lot of younger generation fans. And then there's the bands that are behind them. I mean, there's so many I can list. The list can go on forever. And I truly think that there's a resurgence that's resurgence that's going to be happening with rock music over the next five to 10 years, because the music is just too good to be either forgotten or to be pushed aside. You know, I had a, a great interview with a with a guitar player from another newer band a few weeks ago, and I asked him, I said, you know, are you concerned about the relevancy of rock music? And his response was, I can't control what is out there. We can't control what's what's happening in 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 the world of music. All we can do is play our instrument and make music and make it as good as it can possibly be. And if it's good enough, yep. people will find it. Do you guys feel that same way? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's right on point. I mean, like, that's all we did. Um, we're just playing the best music we can and, you know, hope people um, respond to it. And I think rock music is in a good place, like you said, with the resurgence. There's a lot of bands going back to that more organic sound and bringing back, you know, that old school blues, just straight up rock and roll. And I think people really appreciate that. No offense to the music of today, like a lot of the pop music, you know, they pump it out like a factory line. And, you know, you get a couple guys that shed in garage, grew up listening to Zeppelin and, you know, bands like that and just shedding it out and, and making real good, honest music. Um, I think people connect to that, you know, because, you know, they can feel your, your emotions, your soul, all that blood, sweat, and tears that you put in that music. It's just straight, honest, just good music. Yeah, I think like Cedric said, uh, everything in the rock world and surrounding it has just been a very organic thing, you know, and people people gravitate towards that stuff like the Zeppelins, the who, you know, the Rolling Stones, guys like that. Um, and, and, you know, in the nineties we had the black crows and Alice in Chains, uh, the grunge movement, all that stuff really kind of, um, put some new life into rock and roll music because I mean, the eighties you had heavy metal take over 
and you know obviously the techno and stuff of the 80s um came about but the 90s kind of made way for for the rock bands again and you know from 2000 on to 2010 you know there's there's guys like incubus and stuff like that that's killer and you know other bands that i'm not necessarily talking about yet but um i think that now is kind of the time where we were longing for the organic rock and roll that has almost been lost yeah i I never think or i never have the feeling that rock and roll will die it's always going to be played there's always going to be bands that are out there but you know the relevant like seeing like you know guys like incubus and you know alice and chains and guys like that that was when the scene kind of took its place again yeah i mean i could see that i i I think you know when you look at the 60s and 70s you know laid the four you know laid laid the forefront for you know bands in the 80s and in you know bands in the 80s you know it was a quite different thing than bands in the 90s i you know the bands in the 80s i mean they played their instruments a lot of those bands you know especially like the guitar players and stuff like that. I mean, they could really work up and down a fretboard. And, and obviously it was the oh, yeah. it was the show too. I mean, the, the show became just as important as the music. And yeah. I think I think a right. lot of what happened in the late 80s and the early 90s, you know, everybody wants to blame Nirvana as killing, you know, 80s rock. <laughs> it's it, it, yeah. 80s rock killed 80s rock because towards the end yeah. It became a parody of himself, of, of itself. Pans became. Yeah, everybody wanted to wear the spandex and the big hair. Right. I mean, um, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading magazines um, in the early part of the '80s and the mid part, and you know, you would you would hear the bands before you'd see them in the magazine. Towards the yeah. end of the '80s and the early '90s, you'd see pictures of these bands because they looked good. They had the hair, they had the outfits, and I'm like, I've never heard of these bands. Where are these bands coming from? And it became more about signing a band based on image than it was about the music. There's some very good music from the '80s, but towards the end and yeah. the early '90s, it it just you know. So when two people say Nirvana killed you know the '80s rock scene. Uh, I, I got. I mean, maybe a little bit had to do with that, but it was coming because people were getting tired of the same old thing after a while. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it, man. That's that, yeah. that's that's kind of what I was getting at with with the whole grunge scene and the the two thousands and stuff like that. Was uh, people just kind of get tired of the mainstream stuff, and you know, it's it's just the same old stuff, you know, for a little while, and then you've got these these underground acts that shouldn't really be underground that are making good quality organic music um, that may not be recognized because they don't look good or they don't smell good or (laughs) they don't play good or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. I I think seeing the blues based rock come back um, is great. I think that's, you know, phenomenal. And I, and I think when you have to connect with the younger generation, which is what, all young rock bands like you guys aspire to do because let's face it the classic rock fan you know we're we're set in our ways the majority of the classic rock fan wants to hear the same 50 songs on classic rock radio and and be comfortable with that whereas the younger generation once you grab a younger fan they're a fan of yours for life and i think you know we talked about something good coming out of something bad 
I think when you look at the younger generation right now, they're filled with a lot of angst because a lot of them have been on lockdown. A lot of them haven't been able to socialize. A lot of them haven't been able to go to school, play sports, whatever it is. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a perfect recipe for rock and roll and the connection of rock and roll because, you know, you can't get out your angst with pop music, right? You can't, you know, I mean, you, know, you can't, you can't do that. It's like you can try, but you're not going to, you're not going to find it, you know, and, and, and whether it's punk rock, hard rock, blues rock, you find your, your, your peace in rock music when you're, when you're mad, when you're angry, when you don't understand things. And I think, yeah, I, I think that's coming. It's just such a cathartic type of music too. You know, that's, that's the reason why I love it so much. Um, it's just, so expressing, like you said, um, man, just letting all that anger and frustration out, whatever you're feeling, just going to see a good rock band, you know, drums going, guitars blazing, the singers just moving around the stage, going crazy, getting that crowd going and just getting that energy and those vibes, man. It's just nothing like it being at a rock show. So true. So true. I mean, I, I think of the song... You know, when you, good times, bad times by Led Zeppelin, you know, that introduction yeah. of that song is so powerful and it just grabs you and it just makes you want to pound your fist. And when you hear a power chord oh, yeah. or you hear someone on the drums, you know, hit that, you know, hit that snare or, 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 you know, hit that bass drum. And it's just, you know, playing like it, like it's like today's the last day for a young kid. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. where it's at. Addicting, man, and it is—it's uh, infectious, you know. I mean, the the groove, you know. I there's so many times that I'll put on a new album that I've never heard before from an artist that I've ever even thought about listening to, and you know, the stank face thing just gets plastered on your face, and like you're just moving with the music and and stuff like that, man. This just—I don't think there's anything in the world that does it quite like music, you know. No, there isn't. I mean, it. it you know, even actors and, and athletes, you know, I, I think about an interview with Bradley Cooper when he was filming the movie. Um, oh, what was the movie with Lady Gaga? I can't remember the name of it. But he, Star is Born. Yeah, Star is Born. And he did research with, you know, with bands and going to their concerts and their shows. And he, he talks about this moment where he's sitting behind the drum kit of Lars Ulrich of Metallica. And he's looking out into the sea of people and he's like I've never experienced anything like that in my life. He's like he's like that has to be the closest one gets to flying into the sun as as one could possibly be. You know, I mean it's just a magnificent moment. Well, I can definitely relate to that. Um I had experience um with an old band of mine back in two thousand eight I got to open the Taste of Chaos tour was then sevenfold in my old band and you know, we played at our local coliseum there, and I think it was about nine, ten thousand people um, sold out opening the show. And it's it's quite a view when you get to be in front of that uh, that many people, and especially they be receptive to what you're doing. It's you know, like they say when you get on that stage, man, it's like it's a drug, y'all. <laughs> you know, when you get that instant gratification back from people, and you know they're vibing out to what you're doing, it's just no other feeling like it in the world. Nothing. Yeah, I have to imagine that synergy you can feel with a crowd, you know, with with them singing back your music or them 
you know, being totally yeah, into it, dancing. I mean, it's got to be incredible. It's give and take, man. The energy just, you know, comes from the ground up, you know, through our instruments, through the amplifiers, into your ears, into your mouth when you're singing, and, you know, back out to us. And, you know, the, you know, I, I we've got very, very dear friends of ours that are, that are fans that come to our shows. You know, they were, they were fans first, but they've become lifelong family members and things like that. But, you know, I know, you know, when we're in Huntsville and stuff like that, there's people that say certain things to us, you know, during the show. And it just, you know, flashes a smile on your face and just makes you want to play better and play harder. And because they're just, they're reciprocating that energy, you know, and that's just the most important thing and the most powerful thing that we do as musicians. Last question before we go, you know, the new album strange place is out and it's an incredible album. What was the decision or where was the decision made to, to cover sun houses preaching blues? Well, we actually, like I said, we started out a blues band and we wanted to kind of go back to our roots a little bit. And of course I'm a huge Derek trucks fan and they do preaching blues on his second album. And we just learned it as a cover uh, to play in our live shows. And people were just like, is that song you guys? And we were like, no, but it's different enough from everybody else's that, you know, we can kind of call it ours, you know, in a way. And, uh, People were like, "You've got to, you got to record that song. You got to record that song." There was such a want for that song to be at least released as a single, but we decided that it would fit in the album perfectly. And and that's our, those are our roots, man. You know, it it, it came from Sunhouse. All of it, you know, all of it came from, you know, guys like Robert Johnson, Sunhouse, Alan Wolf, and Muddy Waters, and all those guys. I mean. It, all of the stuff that we play derives directly from blues and the Mississippi soil, uh, you know, mind you. And and we thought that, you know, Mississippi boys could cover a Sunhouse tune just fine and people would dig it. And, and here we are. I think it's a wonderful job. I mean, you know, when I heard it, it immediately grabbed me and just a wonderful cover by you guys. So that it was It was awesome. Thank you. Well, here we are. We're at the end of our conversation. Thank you very much, guys. Dylan and Cedric from the band Magnolia Bayou. The new album is Strange Place. Go ahead and plug your social media, the album, where people can find you so our listeners can uh, can pick up the album. Well, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram. No Twitter yet. Um, we do have Twitter. Oh, well, I'm sorry. We do have Twitter. <laughs> I don't use Twitter a lot myself, so... Uh, but um, you can find us on Twitter. Um, you can go to www.magnoliabody.com and check out um, our music there. We have merch, new merch up there. And um, if you want to get some more information about us and as a band itself, uh, check out the bio and all that good stuff. And um, You can also stream all of our music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Google Play, uh, anything you can listen to music on, you can find us on there. Uh, we have a big bundle package on our website right now at magnoliabayou.com. You can get a 
t-shirt, a sticker, I want to say a poster, and I, I think that's about it. Um, but there's plenty of new merch. Oh, and the CD, of course, you know. <laughs> CD, sticker, shirt, and poster um, on our website, uh, magnoliabody.com. Strange Place is available now. Uh, stream it, love it, share it, um, and uh, send all your friends and family our way. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for doing this, guys. I do appreciate it. Thank, thank you, man. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you, man. That's Dylan. That's Cedric from the band Magnolia Bayou. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, we will talk again soon. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.